You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached the heavens to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Amen. As I started in the offering talking about to go from a place of Corporate worship encounters, corporate anointing, corporate presence of God saturating the place to personal places. But the title of my message this morning is The Place Called There. Jacob, of course, was in the middle of nowhere in particular, traveling on a journey that the Lord had really laid out for him to walk on when he had a supernatural encounter with God, a dream where he saw in the spirit realm angels of God ascending and descending coming and going, bringing things and taking things. And the Lord's standing there, and he woke up and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I believe that even in my life, I've come across the people that believe in geographical locations being something that God targets to pour out in. That people go to Israel and feel like there's a greater anointing in Israel. People go to graveyards where famous preachers are buried and say that there's an open heaven there. People are always trying to find God by simply going to a geographic place instead of realizing that an open heaven has nothing to do with the geographic region per se. It has more to do with being obedient and being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Amen. That the place called there is the place where the open heaven on your life is really, it's not a place of geographical identity. It's not that that God pours out in America because America is so great, but he's not pouring out in Afghanistan because Afghanistan is not so great. And I've just seen it where people literally really convince themselves that God, in order for God to move for great encounters to take place, it has to be a place where there's a whole lot of Christians gathered. But they missed the fact that Jacob was all by himself out in the middle of nowhere and the Lord showed up. Amen. And God will show up just as strongly for one as he does for a million if the heart of the one is inclined to God. God will send you into some of the craziest places and your open heaven, your place called there, is a place of obedience. Say obedience. So it's not a place of sacrifice. Many people also think 
That it's always sacrifice. God doesn't always make you sacrifice. Yes, you give in the kingdom of God. Yes, there's times that he takes something that has value to you and asks you to give it in order to test your heart. Who's ever had him do that? Of course he does it. Because if a thing means more to you than him, then you're not going to go very far anyways. Come on. We've seen people bring big screen TVs in the offering. That's awesome. Middle of church service and suddenly a 65 inch TV walks through the door. Gets dropped at the offering. Now, I don't know, you know, what the TV had. Maybe the Lord was like, give me that TV. And they said, okay. I've seen people take shoes off to give to the Lord. I've seen people take rings. I've, Lord, one time pricked my heart and made me give up my white polyester jacket. I had a 1970s leisure suit, pure white, in in Bible college. I loved that suit. Bell bottoms were were the bottoms. My wife's looking at me funny. She was probably the one praying God tell him <laughs> to get rid of that hideous monstrosity. Bro, I felt, like, I felt like the boss. When I walked in there with my curly fro, my halo glowing, and my white polyester jacket, I knew the Lord was on my side. I just had to do this and... Crowds would fall over by the anointing. <laughs> Hadn't cut my hair since I said yes to the Lord. But the Lord said, give me your jacket. And I remember like, thank God, like it has no value. Why do you want my jacket I found at a thrift store? And it was really more to do with not the jacket, but just to test my heart. Will you give something that you really delight in? And he did it. And I gave it. And to this day, I don't really miss the white polyester jacket. How many people realize stuff is stuff, but the Lord is forever? So you're open heaven. Not a geographical place necessarily. It could be, though. Because if you talk about a place of obedience, it could be that God calls you to a specific region. I've noticed in our traveling ministry that there's places that God has sent us that felt like we were just plowing. I mean, just no breakthrough, just hard for us. Like, man, is there any favor upon us in this region? And then we've gone places that are just unexplainable. The glory of God showed up. There was like an ease involved in it where you felt like, man, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And the Lord is truly moving in this place because I'm where I'm supposed to be. Amen. It could be a place that's geographical, but it it ultimately could also be a place within you, a place of just contentment and peace to follow after the voice of God. You want to open heaven in your life? Stop letting your flesh war against God. Stop letting other people's opinion trump God's word to your life. Amen? Stop letting yourself be swayed by everything that comes along the way until you get to a place of peace and just ease in the kingdom of God to know, man, I'm going after you, God. I'm going to know what I need to know when I need to know it. I'm going to be advised, I'm going to have insight, I'm going to have the wisdom flowing in my life. I'm going to be exactly where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there because I choose you today, God. And I'll choose you every day of my life. And if you come back tonight, that's going to be part two is the repetition of the kingdom of God is what I'm ministering on tonight. The over and over effect of the kingdom of God. That it's not just a single choice that changes things, but it's a daily choice and a daily commitment and a constant recurrence to not just give once, but to give daily. To not just pray once, but to pray without ceasing. Amen. 
But the place called there, even when we launched into the full-time ministry, and many of people have heard this story, but when we were launching, there was a guy that, that messaged, messaged me that pastored in Houston, Texas, and he said, look, I'll, I want to make you the associate pastor, and I'm going to pay you $150,000 a year as an associate pastor. It seemed like the greatest gift ever. You know, I mean, you would think, truly, this has got to be the Lord, because no one gets paid that as an associate pastor that I knew, or to this day. And this is what, 10 years ago. And sure, sure enough, the family had the money. The girl married some billionaire dude, some oil billionaire. I mean, they took family photos. They looked like the Kardashians. I'm not, it was like the whole family, like, it was like airbrushed up. And then he's like, be an associate pastor. Well, when I, when, when I even went to pray about it, instantly the Lord was like, no, that's, that's not what I have for you. And that's where you're like, but God, no, 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 let's dial it back, God. Let me okay, look at the, look at the list, the pros and cons. I mean, I'm in the ministry, number one, which you're calling me to the ministry. This is the ministry, but there's resources attached. This is the blessing. How is this not you? And where I began to realize that the place called there, the place of obedience, it's not always sacrifice, but sometimes it is. It's not always favor, but sometimes it's opposition. It's not always opposition, sometimes it's favor. It's not always lack, sometimes it's overflow. It's not always overflow, sometimes it's lack. Are you with me? That if you try and get, this is what it looks like, these are the boxes it has to check, you'll miss the handwritten call of God on your life from God himself. Because we're talking about something that transcends every other story. It's not, with your place called there is not my place called there. What God has made you for is not what he made me for. The things that God calls people to, and sometimes it's like, it's not a geographic region, but sometimes it's a person. God knits people together. I've watched it in my life where he calls people beside each other for long term. That, are, that, that see the move of God move forward. We were in... in, in Chicopee, Massachusetts last week with the pastor got up 25 years and he called up all these people that had been with him since day one in the living room 30 or, or you know 25 years as a church and never left their pastor's side. Do you know the longevity and the legacy that it gives to a place where people are called along each other and they don't let the devil come and divide them? There's power in that. What did God say? In unity, the unity on the book in the Acts chapter 2 is what was the release of God's power and presence upon a place. And see, the enemy knows that. That's why he is not scared to give you a golden carrot. Because if a thing means more, and that's the assurance, and that's the only tick mark you have is God in this, is there money in it? Is there favor in it? Is there a title involved in it? People leave the call of God looking for a title. Bro, you don't want a title if God's not called you to that place. Because the title didn't give you the authority to stand in that place. Only God gives you the authority to stand in a place. Rather be content to hide behind a rock. And only when you tell me to come out from the rock will I show my face, God. But that's the place called there. It's a place of understanding that above everything in this world to seek after, I need to seek after this. Am I where God wants me to be doing what God needs me to do? And it could be seasonal and it could be long term. But I can promise you this. If God calls you to the streets of the inner cities of America 
And God calls you to walk right smack dab in the middle of gang wars, shootings, whatever. You will be safest right smack dab there than you would standing in a church traveling around. Because that's where God has ordained for you to be. And there is upon you an equipping. Now, a lot of times, if you want to help find the place called there, oftentimes it's a place that you don't feel is truly you're there. It's a place where you're like, God, you must have went through 50 other people before you asked me to do this. And it's okay, I won't be offended. At least I got asked eventually. But this is, definitely does not look like something I was meant to do. But God knows better than you know what you're meant to do. The place called there is really more of an attitude within your heart. That if God says, do this, you'll be willing to do that very thing that he says. I challenge you with this. People are always looking for the call of God, the purposes of God on their life. If God said to you, I want you to build the River Claremont for 30 years, is that something that deflates you or excites you? You know, because at the end of the day, you have to check yourself. Is it personal ambition that's really your indication of God's there? Or is it, yes, God, I'll do what you called me to do? The place called there, people look for an open heaven and believe it's attached to certain regions. But the open heaven is attached to the heart of man. God will pour out strongly in a person that's fully surrendered and fully in the place he's supposed to be. Ezekiel. One of the major prophets in the Bible, of course, there's many prophetic visions given to this man from the army arising, the prophesying to the dead bones, the watchman on the wall, the will within a will, the realms of glory, everything that he saw. But he ended Ezekiel's last vision was that the new heaven, the new city of God descending upon the earth where Christ would come and set up his throne forevermore. We would rule and reign for him with him a thousand years on Christ. And it ends with these two words, Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. The Lord is there. Where is the Lord? The Lord is right smack dab in the middle of a strip club with a person snorting cocaine. God is not ashamed or not scared to be in the darkest of places. God doesn't only show up where there's seven choirs and a keyboard player fully surrendered. God is right smack dab in the enemy's territory calling a person saying, I will put upon you an anointing to wreak havoc in the darkest of places. Met a woman in, in, in Houston, Texas. Her ministry is called Hills to Halos. She was a stripper when the power of God came upon her. She met Jesus in a supernatural encounter Totally turned her life around, got off of drugs, got off of alcohol, came into the church, married a God-fearing man, and the Lord said, I'm sending you right back where you once were captive to set captives free. So her ministry goes right smack dab in the middle of strip clubs and calls people out, prays over these strippers and gets them full of the Holy Ghost, washed, set apart, and out of that life and into the plan of God. Come on. We're talking about a place called there. Everybody thinks the place called there is a microphone and a pulpit and a church that aligns with your spiritual values. The place called there could be a battleground that everybody's scared to go to, but you're going to show up there with an anointing upon your life to break down strongholds, to wreak havoc in the camp of the enemy, to send confusion in the plan of hell. In this hour, God is going to move mighty, mighty, mightily across the nations. And it's all about finding that place. God, what's it look like for me? 
What is it? What is it you have for me? James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Which means he was a man with flesh. He was tempted. He was oppressed sometimes. Sometimes he felt lonely. Sometimes he made dumb decisions. Sometimes he ran out of the will of God. You know, but ultimately, if you read scripture, he's the first man to have ever called someone back from the dead. Just a man following God. And previous to God calling this man, Elijah wasn't known for anything other than the call of God on his life. Can't read that he came from a great lineage. You can't read that he came from a line of this, an education level of high places. He was literally just a man God found and called. And when God called him, he placed upon him a supernatural ability to move in the spiritual realm greater than other people had done. Called the dead back to life. He called fire down from heaven three times. That's why he only prayed 12 seconds on the mountaintop when the altar was set up. Because he'd already done it twice before. He knew God is a God that answers with fire. Come on, somebody. A man just like us. A man just like you. He wrote, woke up in the morning some days and put his pants on backwards. I did that the other day. I was walking around. I was like, man, I feel uncomfortable. My pants feel like they're hanging in the wrong place. I looked down and there was my bottom. And I knew something's wrong. Maybe you're at the place where your bottom is in the front. You've been saying, Pastor Caleb, something's off in my life. Today the Lord will turn your pants around. You will find yourself at the place you need to be at. Amen. God, may you put all of our pants on the right way. Well, if he was a man just like us, how come God did so much with him? You know, he was one of two people that didn't die. So, I mean, he was a man like you and I, but he didn't die. Before Jesus ever gave a sacrifice, this man went up in a whirlwind. The chariots, I guess, were just coming by to say, what's up? But he went up in a whirlwind. I don't know about you, but if you're going to go, go out with your boots on like that. Come on. Maybe if the Lord tarries and I'm 89, 90 years old, I'll go find a tornado somewhere and charge it full on. Be pretty cool. At least people would talk about the way he went. Wouldn't be a boring way to go. Who in here wants to go somewhere, in, some way interesting? It's like some people say, when I die, I want to die like my grandpa, peaceful and in my sleep, not screaming like the rest of the people in the car. <laughs> ah! He didn't hear a thing. Slip right into glory, just feeling great. <laughs> he was a man just like us, but he prayed earnestly or fervently that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
What was his key if he was a man just like us that he could tap into such supernatural things? And it's found just before he called fire down from heaven on the sacrifice, the Lord spoke to him. Number one, obviously the Lord ordered him to pray earnestly that it would not rain. So God ordained a season of drought to turn a nation around, and he found a man that was willing to commit to praying that through. And he prayed it through. But then the Lord spoke to him, 1 Kings chapter 17, and said, Look, I'm going to send you to a brook called Cherith, for I have organized for a raven to feed you there. Shout there. There is a place of commanded blessing. There is a place that God has ordained for you to stand. There is a place that all of heaven and all the resources that God has in store are standing there waiting for you to arrive that you're there. If he had taken that word of the Lord, prayed earnestly for a drought, and then not went there, then he would have been just like everybody else, struggling, and then began to pray, Lord, break the drought. But because he went where God told him to go, a raven fed him each and every day. It's interesting to think how oftentimes the Lord leads us to a place just like the Israelites when they were waiting 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience, that they were ordered and, and commanded. They couldn't even collect extra food. Manna fell in plenty every single day, but if you tried to store it up, it would turn rotten on you and it wouldn't be available the next day. Because every day, you've got to be dependent upon the Lord. Amen. Your place called there is a place of obedience, that he went where God told him to go. And in that place, God provided for him. I felt prompted in my spirit over the last couple of months to encourage people in this room and in this church family. If you are at a place in life where it feels like day in and day out, you are always in a war and always in a struggle. There has been a glass ceiling over your life that you have never been able to break past, never been able to, to, to shatter. It's like there's a frustration. There's a feeling of, man, I don't know what it is that I'm doing wrong, but I basically feel like I'm showering with my clothes on. I'm never gaining traction. I'm running on a treadmill. I'm not getting ahead. I'm just getting more and more tired. Then I want to tell you that that place is not a place that God has ordained for you to be in. That there could be a simple adjustment within your heart, not necessarily a new geographical region, not necessarily a new career, not necessarily a new anything other than just adjustment in your heart to come to the place of peace of saying, Father, I'm where you want me to be. And if there's anything I'm not doing, this is the opportunity for you and I to come together and you to speak this thing to me. Because I have come to the place of peace knowing I'm not going to live my life dancing and trying to obtain something. I'm going to live my life fully surrendered to whatever you want me to do. And God, whatever that looks like, whoever comes with me, whoever stands against me, as long as I know that I'm in the place that you've ordained for me to be in, I want to do it with all of my heart. If you're at that place kicking and kicking and kicking and never gaining traction on all of these things, it reminds me of a story in the Bible of Saul who was on his way to Damascus, breathing out threatenings, fully locked in to destroy the church, persuaded this is what God wants me to do. It's holy. It's my, it's my, it's my thing. I'm going to take them out. Until on the way to Damascus, he met Jesus. Let me tell you, everything changes when you meet Jesus. Man, and maybe you're in this place and you've never had a personal encounter with God. You have never looked into eyes that were like fire. 
You've never felt a touch that felt like 440 volts plus a jet engine plus a hydro pressure washer. You've never had that place where you don't know whether to scream, cry, fall down, run around, disappear, or shoot up in a whirlwind. Your flesh doesn't even know how to even handle God. People are like, you need to teach people the move of God, how to be ready for a move of God. You can't teach someone how to be ready for that. That's like telling someone, I'm going to teach you how to fall when a Mack truck runs over you. And what you want to do the moment it impacts you at 70 miles an hour, you want to just jump to the side, whatever, bro. It's a Mack truck. You're not prepared for it. It's impossible to be prepared for an encounter with God. No preparation, no story reading, no fasting, no, I mean, nothing prepares you for that encounter. And Paul, breathing out threatening Saul, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, so supernaturally powerful that the people with him were struck in fear, seeing a light, but not hearing a voice, but knowing something was happening. And Paul had the wisdom to ask the, the most important questions that you've got to ask yourself each and every day. And the place, he said, as he fell out under the power of God on the road, people say he was riding a horse, there's no scriptural reference to a horse, just that he fell out. Maybe he was on a horse, maybe he was on a donkey. But he fell out, and he said, who are you, Lord? And the place called there, anything that God leads you through, some of the dry seasons, the place that God called us to in this place, River Claremont, you called us to the river, God, a place that was bankrupt with 15 people, and 13 of the 15 didn't like me. Called me to a place where we didn't even know it was pretty in Claremont. We always drove the ugly route in through, through Groveland. We didn't even know there was hills. So we were like, Claremont, really, God? It's a place of brown buildings. But the Lord called us here. Because God saw what we couldn't see. But before he called us here, he called us to travel. Because had I been just straight put into this place in Claremont the river would not still be here. I would not have had what I needed to have when I needed to have it. It would have taken me out, bro. We came to this place. People were angry at us. Why did they get the church? We should have got the church. Bro, in the natural, I'll give you the church. Right? The only thing keeping me here is the call of God. Other than that, I will happily walk away. Right? Not because I'm miserable, but because at the end of the day, that's, where, that's what it's all about. I'm only here because God called me to be here. But to even get here, I had to go through a process. See, in your life, there's processes. There's things that God calls you to, that place where you're like, God, why am I even here? Why is this thing here? It's because God is not just showing you what He's made you to do. He's showing you who He is in that place. you got to learn who is it. Who are you, Lord? Do you truly know the Lord as your provider? Come on. God will take you into places and strip everything away so you have nothing but Him to teach you, I am genuinely a provider. I will provide when no one else will provide. The place called there is the place of commanded blessing, but it's also sometimes a place where you're like, God, I have nothing but you in this place. Who is He to you? 
I've looked at the nations. I've looked at churches. I've looked at American churches and begun to realize people love church. They love the community. They love the aspect of a family they belong to. They love trendy names. They love great photo opportunities. They love worship with lights dim and everything great. But at the end of the day, do they even know the Lord? Do they know his voice when he speaks? Can they recognize the whisper of God over the whisper of man? Can they be led by a spirit or do they not know the difference? We've had places where the power of God fell in this place. I was so overcome by the glory of God, I could have cried for three hours. And people literally came online and said, what's wrong with this church? Why, what, what, what are they waiting for? It's like something weird in the place. Because they were not even aware of what I was aware of. It's a place called there. Who are you, Lord? Who is he to you? Who is the Lord? Is he Lord of your life? Is he a great idea? Is he someone we sing about? Is he someone we complain to? Or is he the king of righteousness, the king of glory, the one that governs your life? Can he ask of you something and you say yes even when you don't want to do it? Come on, somebody. All you married people, anytime your spouse asks you to do this and you're like, I don't want to do it. Why are we doing this? Whatever, fine, we're doing it. Let's do it. Come on. You got a bad attitude the whole time, but at least you did it and you feel justified in your stance that you've proved your love. <laughs> talking real talk right now. You know what I'm talking about. Attitude doesn't matter in this one. At least I did it. Can't believe we have to eat with these people again. You're friends with her, but he's like a talking to a wall. Just never talks back more than two words. Fire, happy, joy, work, boring, boring. Okay, babe, we'll go. It's going to be great. Is he the Lord of your life? Can he ask of you to do things and you say yes? Have you discovered him as fire? If he's fire, do you know the Lord is fire? Who are you, Lord? Is he a fire that burns within your spirit? I mean, is it like a fire you can't contain? Is he like the king of glory, the king of righteousness? Is he everything to you? And then beyond that, he said, what wilt you have me to do? What do you want me to do? Anybody in here ever had that conversation with the Lord? What am I doing in life? What do you even want me to do, God? There's sometimes in life where things shift and things change and you find yourself stuck. When I moved when you told me to move. Why did you tell me to move? I started this when you told me to start it. Why did you tell me to start it? I'm here in Claremont. Why did you tell me to come to Claremont? I could be in Cincinnati. I'm just throwing that out. Nobody really wants to be in Cincinnati. <laughs> Not even the people in Cincinnati want to be there. You know? They're all looking to get out. You know what I'm saying? We were driving back from Chattanooga, and we stopped at Valdosta, Valdosta, Georgia. It's literally a town that advertises like 400 hotel rooms and 40 restaurants. Stop. It's like, that's all they can advertise? We stopped to eat at a place called the Austin Cattle Company. And I told Antonio, most people in Valdosta are probably trying to get out of this town. And he was like, nah. We sit down. The waiter comes up, thick Georgia accent. Where are y'all from? Florida, he said, all my friends have done left there. I'm trying to get out of Valdosta too. <laughs> I said, I told you. <laughs> but the beauty of all of that 
is that there's a person out there that God's going to tell him Valdosta. I've called you to Valdosta. And this person's going to feel excitement. This person's going to have a love for Valdosta. And if you're from Valdosta, I am not purposely picking on you. I'm from Manchester. No one's ever heard of it either. But it's a place where God knits you in there. And he did when he called us to Claremont. It wasn't where I would have picked. I actually had a list. Anybody in here ever had a list? I had a list of where I was going to pastor. I wrote names. I did research. I did market studies. I picked my age versus the average age of the city, the per capita income, the growth expectation of the next 20 years. Of this. I did all the business side of it. And I was like, this is where I'm going. My top three picks. You probably want to know where they are, don't you? Well, maybe we'll see in the next few years if, I, if the Lord lets us start one somewhere. We're offered Juneau, Alaska, debt-free, beautiful place, absolutely amazing. The Lord says no. What do you mean no, God? They got smoked salmon. They got hunting. It's the sportsman's paradise. What's wrong with you? You're probably going to send me somewhere down in Florida. I even hated Florida. True story. I hated Florida. Oh, yeah. I'm traveling in the ministry, and I hated Florida. Everywhere I went, I told people how terrible Florida is. Florida's the worst. We have three seasons in Florida, hot, hotter, and hurricane hot. That's what I tell people. Florida's the worst. If you're anywhere other than Florida, you're doing, I'm trying to get out. God willing, one day I'll get out of this place. That's probably why I got offered so many churches. People thought I was fishing for an opportunity to get out of Florida. And we're traveling for three years, and finally I remember flying into Tampa one day, looking out the window, and I was like, oh, thank God I'm home. It's coming back from Toronto. People have to call Canada home. Imagine that, right? There are people that have to call that place home. Not us. I was flying back from Toronto with its gray dreariness and the worst coffee on the planet. People were like, Tim Hortons is so good. No, it is not. Tim Hortons is like licking an ashtray with Holiday Inn Express coffee mixed in. And Canadians are so fried their taste buds, they actually think it tastes good. Any Canadians in the place today? Love you. All right. Come on, Canada. Canada. If you say it, Canada, it sounds more holy. No, and I was flying back from Toronto, and I look out the window, and I remember saying, man, it feels good to be home. Thank you, Jesus, I'm home. And I landed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've fallen in love with Florida. I hated this place. What are you doing, God? You're changing my heart. Maybe God calls you to a place, and you're like, I don't even like these people. These people are the worst. Maybe you feel that about your children. I don't even like the ones you gave me. There must have been a mix-up at the hospital. Surely this did not come from me, God. Like Jesus, praying three times, if it be your will, I'll endure it. Nevertheless, if you take this cup, take it. And then you press into God and suddenly there's a love. 
comes upon you. A genuine love of God. Because God will literally, if you follow His voice, there's nothing like preparation days. God will prepare you for a people. God will prepare you for a place. God will prepare you you for a task. He will prepare you so that when you're standing there, you have what it takes to stand there. And when you do, God will meet you in that place. It's a place of provision. What do you want me to do, God? And you're at this place, maybe you're in this room, and you're like, man, I feel like my life has just never clicked. And I want to pray with you today because I pray the clicking of the Lord be upon you. Or maybe there's something in you that you know you're supposed to do. Man, I know my there, but I haven't gone there. You know what I'm talking about right now? You know you're there, but you haven't gone there. It's before you, but you don't know how to get there. Are you with me? Well, sometimes God only gives you a step. Sometimes you just got to take a leap and then he meets you there. And that step leads to a second step and then he meets you there. Come on, these guys felt the call of God in a full-time ministry, and they felt, well, we're going to go to New York City, and we're going we're to move with the churches. They went up there, but it wasn't what you thought, was it? Got up there, the pastor said, I'll organize 17 churches or whatever. He gets up there, there was nothing organized. The pastor was like, we can eat in my office. Talk about what you're going to do next time you come here. He was deflated, but I saw him launch out, and in my spirit, the Lord said, call Pastor Mark and Pastor Leilani. They're meant to come here. To be with you guys. I actually thought he spoke Spanish. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I thought, Pastor Mark, Pastor Leilani, they're going to be our Spanish pastors. So I give him the job. He comes here. And I was like, so, you know, you don't speak Spanish? He's like, no, I'm from Guyana or Trinidad. I was like, you, 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 why didn't you tell me? And watch. Now, what, look at what the Lord has done in him. Look at what God has built in this church because of their faithfulness to step out. And all they did was take one step out, and then the Lord knit us together. And now you got young kids encountering God. You got young kids laying hands on people, praying in the Holy Ghost. You got youth being smacked every single Wednesday night because of a single step. And God didn't show them Claremont. God, they thought it was New York City. Are you with me right now? But then where did God take you? Right here, smack dab to Claremont. And what's happening in Claremont? People from New York are moving here every day. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Father, I thank you for this dear couple. I thank you, Lord, for a refreshing, a renewing, a fire of the Holy Ghost upon them. I instill upon them a fresh anointing, a weighty presence of God for this place they're stepping into with the youth. Their words will flow. You'll put it between both of them, God. Both of them. Ministering, flowing with the river of God from them to a young generation to raise up. Raise up men and women from this church that will pioneer churches. They'll carry the banner and the heart of the river to the nations of the world from this place. Jesus. Nothing is small to God. Nothing is small to God. God can look at a heart. When he looked at Jacob, he said, From your lineage, I will raise up people that outnumber the dust of the earth, basically. He said, man, I'll bless the nations of the world, speaking of the lineage from one man that will go all the way down to Christ and all the way down to thousands and millions upon millions of believers. 
Nothing God strategizes or plans is small. It might not be as big as you think in your lifetime, but you're not living for this life. You're living for the life to come. The place called there is a place of obedience that one man comes sometimes gets called in to sow a seed. Another generation arises to water that seed. And finally a generation comes in to reap from that seed. Man, I tell you what, God is thinking a lot bigger than we're thinking right now. And I, Father, I thank you for your anointing in this place today. You're speaking to your people. What do you want us to do? What is this river's legacy going to be? God's been having me look past even three years because my mind was stuck on three years. By the time we're 10, we'll get a new property. We'll build a new building. It's a fast, accelerated timeline. God, you're going to do this. And God's been saying, you're thinking too small and you're thinking too short. Think out further. Forget how long it takes. Think out 30, 40 years what's going to come from this place. The multiplication of the kingdom of God, of young generations being risen in this church full of the fire of God. Coming upon Trevor and Faith right now. Father, I thank you for that anointing upon this couple. Lord, you called them out of obscurity and placed within them a pure heart of surrender to you. Lord, that pure heart is the same pure heart they will impart to these young kids as they minister by the Spirit of God. That river will flow from the two of them on the inside into those young hearts. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you'll even show them before their eyes the working of the church within the young kids over there. 12-year-old pastors carrying an anointing. 12-year-old evangelists carrying an anointing. 12-year-old prophets prophesying in the kids' church, Lord, that the river of God would flow from them. Lord, I thank you for the long lineage you're raising up from this house. This is a house that you are building. This is a house that you have formed. This is a house written in the handwork handwriting of God. Father, we thank you for it we thank you for it Jesus man we thank you for it the nations I hear the call of God for the nations in this place man the nations are open right now it burns within you it burns within you. You can't shake this thing. It's on the inside of you. It's like me when people are like, come, come to South Africa, come to Italy. It sounds fun. It sounds exciting. But there's not a fire within me for it. There's a fire. There's a, there's a desire. There's a wrestling. There's a, this thing for America that I, I can't let go of and I can't release it. And all I know is I'm like, God, give me my nation. Give me my nation. Give me my generation, God. Give them to me, Lord. If you place me in the place to stand before them, give me the words that you want to say. Give me the message that will burn and awaken a generation. Give me a fire that can't be put out. Give me something, God. Give me more than I've got. Give me greater in this hour. Give us that which is necessary. Jesus, even Jesus himself, the son of the living God, the Messiah, had to rise up and move down to Egypt and then move back and then move again, always on the run, being warned by a dream because God will take you and sometimes the place is there, sometimes it's there, but the there is the unction of God in your heart to say wherever it is I'm standing, I will be a funnel, I will be a portal, I will be a place that heaven can meet earth, I will be the place where the glory of God shines in the this region. I will be that God.
Nothing more, nothing else. And nothing else satisfies quite like that with you, God. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.